My name is Chris Bett and welcome to another Rangers pre-season report on Saturday at 3. Joining me on this episode to discuss the latest pre-season going on at Ibrox is first of all Kenny. Kenny, how you doing? I'm good mate, thank you. Good. Uh, joining us also is Eddie. Evening, how you all getting on? Not too bad and making his first appearance this season is Dave. Dave, how you doing? You had a good pre-season, ready to go? Good mate, good pre-season under the belt, ready to get started. I feel like I've not been on for a while. Uh, we'll I, feel get like a, I feel refreshed, ready to go. We'll get an hour into your lungs tonight, mate, and get you, <laughs> get you up to shape. Um, so we'll be looking at, obviously, the Hamburg game um, and bits, kind of discussing maybe individual performances, maybe discussing the team performance. Again, like, like last week, we won't go through it blow by blow. I don't think there's, there's any need for that in a pre-season game. We'll look at, obviously, the upcoming fixtures, Olympiacos and Hoffenheim. Uh, a wee bit of the kind of transfer rumours, and then we'll discuss the Champions League draw, which was today. Um, so, Dave, I'll come to you first. Uh, the Hamburg game itself, obviously, Sakala got the only goal, and then Tav got the penalty, and then they, Hamburg scored at the very last minute with a, quite a peachy, a free kick. But the performance, I've seen a lot of, um, I don't want to say negativity, but I suppose it is if you're going to call it criticism. Um, maybe it wasn't quite up to scratch, it was a bit disjointed, it's quite obvious that some of the players who played in this game uh, just do not have a future at Rangers, so maybe that's part of it, but also it's also given them an opportunity to put themselves in the window, which I don't think they've done themselves any favours there, which is can only be a bad thing for us because it means we're stuck with them. Um, but I'm not overly worried as such because that this is why pre-season is, is, is a thing. Uh, gives us time to build up our rhythm, gives us time to build up um, a style of play, getting the players to know, uh, know each other, um, bed them in. Um, so I'm not going to look too much into it because it, it was quite a boring game of football. Rangers, Hamburg are a great team. Let's let's kind of put the cards on the table there. They are where they are for a reason. They have one or two individual good players, but as a team they're pretty honking. I actually think they're going to struggle again to get up to Bundesliga this year. Um, and so I can, I can understand why maybe there is that wee bit of criticism, but I'm not going to look too much into it at the moment because it is, after all, essentially only our second pre-season game of the season. Um, did it raise a lot of alarm bells for you, Dave? Um, I don't know about alarm bells. That you see. I'm trying not to read too much into it because it's pre-season, new team, players playing together for the first time, but I always quite like to see, to try and get a read on how you're going to play in the season pre-season games and it was as you say fairly boring disjointed is the kind of word I was going to use there's not really a lot of signs of kind of passages of play we didn't really dominate the play we didn't really make many opportunities both the goals came for fashion just being fashion so aye it wasn't great all told but you kind of balance that by Hamburg for all their poor side they're still going to be big and physical and strong so you're not going to steamroller teams like that Better than the Newcastle game, in the sense that we were able to kind of get a touch of the ball from time to time, but aye, still not great. I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but I would like to see a couple of improved performances before we get into the real stuff. Eddie, if we look at some kind of individual players uh, from this game, um, I think Sakala is worth a mention here, as, as Dave said. Um, Yilmaz certainly is worth a mention. Uh, but for, for one guy I, I do want to kind of single out here um, and get your opinion on is Kieran Dill. Now, it's not that I didn't understand this thing and I just felt that he's very similar on paper anyway to what we already had. 
And what we already had wasn't what's required, you know, holding midfielder, um, got plenty of them, does they score many goals from midfield, got plenty of them. Um, and then pretty much in the same vein of Sam Lammers against Newcastle, where the penny dropped for me. Um, I would say that the penny kind of dropped for me again here with Kieran Dowell, because this is a wee kind of pit bull in the middle of the park who is going to chase everything and is going to fling himself in uh, to tackles. Um, now, Sometimes that isn't always necessary. He will have to manage that a wee bit and rein it in a wee bit. Um, but nonetheless, as Rangers fans, we love to see that. We, we, we've been crying out for a Stuart McCall since, well, Stuart McCall. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I, I thought that was the kind of standout of the match for me, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, just seeing him fly into a tackle, but get straight back onto his feet to fly into the second tackle to make sure he's coming away with that ball and that any kind of attack is broken up and... It, it really was that kind of Stuart McCall, what Reno Gattuso developed into. Um, I mean, he started off pretty much similar as well, just a bit more raw. But that kind of tough tackling midfielder that the Rangers fan base absolutely loves. So, yeah, I was um, I was sold on that performance. If he can keep that going into the season, then I think he'll become a very popular player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him now uh, kind of flourish in a Rangers shot because it, it, to me it was just a sort of kind of... Uh, it's I wouldn't call it a gamble or such. I know he'd been out injured, but I just felt as if it was really a squad depth signing. But I actually think he'll have a bigger part to play than than I maybe gave him credit for um, initially. Kenny, um, fashion Sakala, what, what do we do with this guy? Because I, I'm still on the camp of sell him because we can get quite a good wee bit of money for him. But you see that smile and you're just like... <laughs> Can can we really have life without that smile? And and then you see what he can do. You know what I mean? Go on an assist again. It's only a friendly, but this is it's such a conundrum. It really is. I'm I can totally see both sides of this, the, the the coin now. Keeping them, he is going to contribute, but he is also going to frustrate. Selling them, getting four million is a fantastic bit of business for a player who isn't consistent. But I'll tell you this, if we get all our business done and we get everybody in who we want um, or who Michael Beale wants, um, i.e. Danilo, Chiventes and another few, uh, I wouldn't be overly disappointed if Sakala still here come the window shutting. Um, well, I don't know. Um, he, he's just an enigma, isn't he? And I, I, I do agree with you. That wee smile just lights you up inside, doesn't it? But look, it, it, it's, it's fashion. He does what he does and that there's just no getting away from this, that his numbers will be decent if he stays. He will get numbers and he will contribute. There's no getting away from that. But <clears throat> if you do get a, a very decent offer, you've got a decision to make. And I would suspect that Michael Beale has a number of kind of player candidates that he could probably commit, you know, be looking at coming in. Um, he's just... See, to be honest with you, I don't know. I've been on this pod umpteen times talking about fashion Sakala, and one week I love him, the next week I just shake my head and say, going to just go. Um, Last week, as I said to you, I thought he was absolutely horrendous when he came on against Newcastle. And in the first half on uh, Saturday, he was, I mean, he wasn't even great, but he he contributed more than just about anybody else on the pitch. Um, So I, I don't know. Chris, uh, uh, is my answer, my honest answer. Um, would I keep him? Not if a decent offer comes in. I've got to be honest. I think you could utilise that money elsewhere. And 
the the one thing about that I could say is there's probably more uh, or other players in those positions that I'd rather see go before he did, if you know what I mean. But I, I, I'm just he's a he's a I was going to swear there he's an enigma. <laughs> he really is. No, he certainly is. But it's again, um, again, this is why preseason is good because players who are probably potentially on their way out can really give the manager something to think about and and one player who has given the manager something to think about is a player that they quite frankly Dave didn't even know existed if we're honest the vast majority of the Rangers fans I'm talking about John Lee Ufeco. Um I, I was kind of guilty of it in the Newcastle game myself of probably getting too excited after seeing him for only five minutes um, so I had to kind of you know manage my own expectations here, uh, of, of the young lad but then I seen him against Hamburg and, and the more I see him the more I think he he could be a pretty handy young player to have next year left sided defender they come at a premium you don't get them very often uh, a left footed defender sorry very comfortable in the ball got a, a huge physique and seems very confident and the manager has said that he has really given him something to think about. Now, I still expect a left-footed defender to come in, um, whoever that is. I, I still expect that to happen. But I ex- also expect now Yufeko to play, you know, 10, 15 games next season. And I tell you this, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm no unhappy about that because he he could be another. And it's a lazy comparison to make. Um, both of them are built the, the, the same both of them came from the same club uh, both of them have got a left foot um, so I'm not going to say he he could turn out to be the next Calvin Bassey but Dave he could turn out to be the next Calvin Bassey <laughs> <laughs> ah, It's an easy comparison to make uh, I saw Efeco a few times last season playing for the youth team there's a couple of games at Ibrox and whatnot, and he always looked good whenever I saw him he always looked to be a bit more composed than he's and his peers and ready for the step up and aye he's been good so far and I definitely think Leon King with this injury was the fourth choice I think King maybe just needs handled properly this season he had quite a lot of football last season when maybe he wasn't really ready for it and possibly loans have not really worked out for us but possibly a wee loan for King but if Echo looks to have moved into that position I certainly wouldn't want to rely on him as the third choice at the minute I think we need to I really I, I, think move I, I, Davies on and replace but but I don't think I'm being harsh here. Um, I really, really don't think this has been harsh. People can say that I'm completely uh, being over the top. But I've seen more in Yefeko than I have in Leon King. And I know Leon King had a really bad hand out to him last season. He was flung into all sorts of matches. But I, I, just, I never seen it with Leon King. Um, and again, I'll caveat that by saying he was very badly exposed. Never had a, a, a settled partner with him. In many ways, he was the kind of the, the most consistent choice at centre-back. But... I was never really like this boy's going to be a star, but with Yefeko, I, I see, I see attributes there that I didn't see with, with Leon King. But I also, again, it's two friendlies. I'd, I'd agree with that. To be fair, uh, King looked solid and okay in his early appearances, which he kind of want as a young guy finds his feet. He's no, you see some guys come through parts and being a recent example, which slightly further back. Lewis McLeod, even Lowry, who's lost his way a bit, you look at these guys and you see within two or three touches, you go, right, well, he's got it. King never really gave me the vibes. He looked like a kind of solid citizen, which, do you know what? See if we produce a couple of solid citizens a season, fine. We don't need to be, no, every, we're not going to bake Bassies and Barry Ferguson's every time. A couple of homegrown squad players would be fine. 
But if Echo does look as if he's got that about him, that he could take the next step. So hopefully he's not flung into a crisis in the way King was. I'd absolutely agree with that. Just staying on the youth players uh, with you, Dave, because um, I want to come to a certain player with, with Adi. Um, do... <laughs> I know you're going with that one. <laughs> uh, Bailey Rice is going to go right to the top, isn't he? That, that, that's, that's a boy who is playing well above his years. He's only 16. He doesn't look like a 16 year old, which is the first thing, because that's that's a really, really important thing. Some kind of 16, 17 year olds you see in a, in a jersey, and you think, right, they look exactly at their age, which means that they're not ready. This boy looks completely ready physically. His maturity is well beyond these years. His composure is well beyond these years. Demanding the ball, lovely passing, lovely vision. Gets himself into good positions to receive the ball. His range of passing is fantastic. Um, This boy, is I I genuinely believe this boy is going to be the the next kind of breakout star. Um, And back to the point that we just discussed there, you can tell straight away if they're going to be a player or not. And... He he's not going to be your bog standard player. He he's going right to the top for me, unless there is either bad luck, bad decisions. Um, so it's obviously in his hand to fling it away, but it's also in his hand to make a right career. Um, here at Rangers or, or further afield. Aye, he's another one that's impressed. Whenever I've seen him, he, he was playing in the the youth teams when I was watching them, and it was my mate said to me, "Watch him." And we had quite a few at the time who have since gone on to know Dave very much and I think a lot of the ones at the time have sort of left the club and uh, he has stood out and again we're going to need that homegrown pipeline because we've lost quite a lot of homegrown home trained players for Europe and I think we all just love it when a, a youth player comes through but uh, he's another one that looks as if he's got the tools maybe we'll see much of him this season with his age unless we're winning comfortably in games but I definitely get the potential to make it I would say Mm-hmm. Kenny, you want to come in though? Yeah, just about Bailey Rice. Uh, a, a friend of mine's uh, son uh, used to play with Motherwell. The kids at St Mirren now, right? But he was in the year below uh, Bailey Rice when Bailey Rice was at Motherwell. And by all accounts, the, the, my mate, but never mind him, the the coaching staff at Motherwell have, have actually said that he's the best player they've ever seen at that age. <clears throat> By a distance, that includes the likes of Turnbull that they, that went to uh, them, obviously. But that, by all accounts, Motherwell were raving about him for for a long, long time, for years. Uh, and I do know that every, everybody down south, from Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man U, Spurs, the lot were after that kid, and he came to Rangers because his family are massive Rangers fans. Um, I would suggest that he will make it. He, we were quite lucky to have him, I think. Yeah, well, as I said, it's it's all in his hands to to make a career. Us, um, Eddie, uh, Red Van Yomans. Now, uh, I'm I'm not going to be harsh on you here. I'm not going to try and you know fling you under the bus. I actually agree with. You. I, I felt that um, the start of the game at the weekend it was below par, if you will. Um, took him a wee while to get into the game. Uh, as the game went on and before he was obviously substituted, uh, he has he the Rangers left back for me. Uh, we'll come on to Barisic in a wee second. But the only thing missing for Yomaz's game is, and I'm talking about things that he can actually improve on because he can improve on his height. That, that's, <laughs> that's just the hand he's been dealt. But the only thing missing for his game is his final ball. And don't get me wrong, some of his balls on Saturday were fucking phenomenal. But 
Uh, you know when Barisic is in that area, you're going to get a quality ball. That You just know that, whether he's playing well or not. With Yilmaz, you're getting a mixed bag at the moment. But in terms of going forward, composure, never going back. Even he's... Uh, even his defending, his positional sense, his determination. He's, he's a wee tenacious uh, wee guy. Um, yeah, he's, he's a Rangers life back for me getting into this season. Um, no, no two ways about it. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Yomar's first 20 minutes of the game against Hamburg, I didn't think he looked like he'd even played football before. I thought he was horrendous. But after that, like as soon as I opened my mouth to say that, I thought he was superb after that. And I thought he was really, really positive when he came on against Newcastle as well. So for me, he's got to be the left back going into the season. Barisic can't even be in the conversation, to be honest. And I know what you're saying there about the delivery issues with Yilmaz, but um, everyone kind of talks about how great Barisic's delivery has been over the year. I don't think it's as good as we kind of make it out to be. Yes, when he when he nails it, he absolutely nails it. But... Over the course of the four years, I think he's had his fair few number of stinkers as well. Um, and there's been long stretches where he's had games without even putting in some good deliveries. I think we just kind of have almost romanticised it to a, to a certain degree. But that's um, because he's known that area of the pitch to put the ball in because he's too busy playing the ball back. Well, yeah, the last uh, last year and a half, that's very, definitely mm. true there. And at least Yilmaz doesn't really do that. He's always looking to drive forward. Uh, and and do you know it's a it's a point that I actually kind of want to raise because this will test Yomazi's mentality because he is going to make mistakes going forward and the the crowd will go on his back. That's just what happens at Rangers. We do it to Tav. I mean Tav's our captain and he's probably our most productive player. And if he puts one bad ball and the, the crowd are right on top of him, myself included by the way, and that's our captain. So Yomaz isn't going to escape that. And the minute that starts to happen to Yomaz, his reaction is going to tell a massive story. Does it does it become Borna Barisic and play it safe for the next five games, um, or does he try again? And if he tries again, then I'm I'm delighted because again he might make a mistake again, but if he keeps going and keeps trying, that's all we ask for because we cannot go back to this bullshit of going to the halfway line, too scared to play the ball forward in case he loses it and gets the crowd in his back, so he'll turn around and pass it back to the goalkeeper. It's no use to us. No, it's just no use to us at all. Um, when for ninety percent of the season we're playing riffraff. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. I think the only thing you're a bit um, wrong on there is you've sold him short. He does occasionally turn inside and pass it to Lundstrom, who will then <laughs> kick it back to the goalkeeper. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the season's starting, Dave. <laughs> um, that was watching the game. I watched the game in delay at the weekend, and the amount of times I was just. Scunnered with Lindstrom again, same at the, the Newcastle game. It's just slowing the play down, going backwards. Aye. Well, come on to them. Uh, Kenny, what I mentioned, three players to you. Uh, so, first of all, Kamal Roof returns um, and Tom Lawrence returns. Now, look, I'm not going to uh, critique their performance at all. Actually, I thought Roof done all right, to be fair. Um, Lawrence is just never near ready, let's be honest. It was just great to see him. Um, but yeah, they are going to be handy players if we keep them fit. I mean, Kamal Roof, there's no doubt about it. I understand the vast majority of fans would rather he was off the books, myself included. That's because financially it is draining resources. But if he's fit, he is an asset. And uh, Tom Lawrence, listen, we all laugh and joke about this, but genuinely is like a new signing. The guy played, what, six, seven games last season, superb in every one of them, and then we lose him for a full year. So if we get Tom Lawrence 
30, 40 games next year. This is a pretty exciting um, forward line for Rangers. Yeah, it really is. Uh, listen, I thought Kamar Roof came on and looked really quite sharp for a, yep. for a guy that had just come back for an operation. Um, I, I thought he, he did really quite well. Again, he's got this incredibly... And we, you don't really notice it when he's there every week, but see when you've not seen it for a while, see the way he can hold it in. See Back to go and he takes it in and he just gives himself yards of space every single time. I don't know how he does it. I've said this before, but his movement is up there with any Ranger striker I've seen in the last 20 years. He's phenomenal, actually, when he's fit, as as, a, as we all know. Uh, keeping him fit is the issue. Um, delighted to see him back, and if he could stay fit all season, honestly, he'll get 20 goals this season. Even if he plays 30 games, he'll score 20 goals. Uh, he's that good. Um, but it's a big if, we know that. Um, it's not so much getting him up to to speed here, he, he can do that quite, you know, regularly gets up to speed. It's when he's on the pitch, taking knocks that keep him out for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. That's his problem. Uh, as for Tom Lawrence, um, yeah, he's another tremendous option. We all know that, that he was, he looked, if not our best player, you know, at the start of last season, he was certainly one of our best players. He, uh, he, he a real driving force. He, he was scoring goals. He was, creating chances um, and he was also uh, looked a bit of a leader on the pitch as well which was you know we missed at times last season obviously if we can get that boy fit he is another tremendous option uh, you know kind of middle to front we've got bags and bags of talent in there at, at this point and Michael Beale must be really quite excited about the the amount of talent that he has in the, the kind of forward thinking positions because I can't remember us having this amount of talent available, and that's particularly if we bring the likes of Danilo in. Uh, I, I don't remember this amount of ta- you know creative ability in our team in a long, long time, Chris. Who was the third player? You said you were going to mention three, but you only mentioned yeah. two. Yeah, so the third player's uh, Cyril Dessels made his debut. Uh, there, there's not really much to say there. Um, that, that's his debut out of the way, or his non-competitive debut out of the way. We'll probably judge him more against Olympiacos, where I fully expect him to start. Um, as I say, I, I don't think you can say much about his actual performance. There was one moment where he made a bit of an arse at um, The ball comes out to him. There's almost an open goal because the goalkeeper, um, the goalkeeper spills it. He has to take it on the volley, so that's quite a difficult critique, uh, a technique, sorry. Um, obviously, uh, as I said, makes a bit of an arse, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to read anything into that at all. Um, the, the one thing I'll say is non-performance related, is uh, he's a big boy and he can move. Yeah, he didn't look fit at all, actually, to be fair. He just, he's just in the door, isn't he? He's only had about four sessions, so yeah, give him time, get him, let him get up to speed. Everybody's his pre-season, Every, all the players are at different positions in terms of fitness, so uh, yeah, I think he's just seen the, the glory at that, at that opportunity where he actually should have squared it across, I can't remember who it was, but somebody was there, uh, where if, if he had seen that and squared it, it was a tap-in actually, but yeah, delighted to see him on the park and hopefully he gets up to speed really quickly, Chris, yeah. Um, Dave, the, the two lads here uh, joined me last week when we were discussing some Obviously, uh, how, we, how we were looking at pre-season up to that point, obviously the Newcastle game and some news coming out of Rangers and potential departures. The, so, 
I don't think there's any point discussing it with, with Kenny and I didn't unless they want to come in at some point, but three players who at the moment look as if they've still got some sort of future at Rangers, which worries me. Ben Davis, John Lundstrom, Borna Barisic, uh, simply have to go. Um, I think Lundstrom will get away with it. I think he will manage to cling on to his Rangers career until January at least. But Ben Davis and Borna Barisic are just total non-negotiators for me. They have to go. We cannot go into this season. Um, and <laughs> just bringing up Barisic and Davis so much. Davis left there. There he is. He's back. I'm Dave, back. Nah, were you just not prepared to talk about them? <laughs> John Lindstrom's name came up and I just had to leave. <laughs> I, just, so I, was just, I was just saying, no, um, I, I think Lindstrom will cling on by the skin of his teeth. Uh, till at least January. Um, I, 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 I don't. I'm not. I have no comment. But Davis and Barisic just simply have to go. Would you agree with that? Taking each of them in turn, I think Barisic is sort of. It, it leaves us a bit short in that area. I think is the only thing. Uh, if we could replace him effectively, possibly with somebody for the SPL or somebody Scottish, I would jump at the chance because I think it's just ran its course. I think last season showed the mentality, the the engagement with the club and what we're trying to do is maybe gone. Some guys just need a fresh start. Kamara falls into the same boat as him. <clears throat> they just need a fresh start away, a new challenge, a new voice in their ear to try and encourage them. So, aye, if we could, well, burn us out a contract at the end of the year, and he might just cling on. Although I noticed his wee bit of intel for you. If I saw this... Somewhere, I don't know if it was in a group chat or Twitter, but he's born this stopped following that private Instagram group for all the players. Yeah, and then, he, and then he re-followed it. They, so I don't. They posted a, a love heart, a blue and white love heart to Osijek today as well. So uh, I'd be surprised if he goes back there because that. I, I don't think great. they could afford him to be honest. Aye, but although he's just had a kid and apparently his missy still lives in Croatia, so that might be a a wheel. It looks like a move has fell through for him, but. Uh, it's just time. Kamara, I love Kamara. I, I, I still like Borna, but I love Kamara as a player when he's on his peak. But I just think too much is going on uh, that they've seen and been privy to. And I think it's just time to move on. Lindstrom has sort of settled into a groove of the player that the Sheffield United fans warned us about. Everything's two or three touches, backward, side to side. He's quite a selfish player in that he, he sort of takes heavy touches and then doesn't chase... He, he makes decisions that suit him. He slows things down. Uh, he's really frustrated me so far in pre-season, Lindstrom. We can't play at pace through the midfield with him in that role. It just It's not going to happen. Ryan Jack still needs to get up to speed to play his forward quicker. But we are not going to win the league unless we can get the ball forward into the areas where we, as, as you and uh, Kenny said, where we've got now an absolute abundance of quality. So... I would be looking to turn him over. The good thing is he might have some sort of residual value. And Davies falls into the same category for me. English, decent age, will have value for somebody in the championship. It's it, it's not really jiving for him. At Rangers, the, the physicality is not there. The drive is not there. He's, he's sort of... Can I get a call a football tourist? He seems to be up here to kind of pad his CV, say he's played in the Champions League, say he's played for Rangers, get some photos for his Instagram. It doesn't seem to be like a true believer in what's actually going on about him, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He's not, I can I mean by that? Like, he doesn't seem as if his heart and soul's in it. And honestly, watching him, watching him and Balogun try to play his out for the back was painful. I, I thought that was actually where we went wrong at the weekend. We didn't have Suter or Goldson who were able to play as into midfield. 
Balligan and Davies hesitated all the time. So it ended up, the ball was going back, side to side. It was a full-blown horseshoe scenario because Lundstrom wasn't doing enough. They two couldn't get it into midfield and we weren't able to get out because we had they two at the back. So going into games with they two in any context really doesn't fill me with any confidence. So if we could trade up Davies and Lundstrom, I would be delighted. Yeah, um, I would. I would agree with that, Kenny. You what? I don't know. No, just just to add to what Dave said is it's why we need uh, a ball playing left left centre half. We need we need somebody in there that can do that as well. I know John Suter can play there, but if we're going to try and play with with a back three at times, we need a, a decent uh, amount of money actually spent on a a, a very good left centre half because. For all that we have, Balogun or Yefeko, Yefeko in the last two games has has only been playing in friendlies. Nobody's clattering into him or anything like that in these games. We'll wait and see. I'd, I'll wait and see how he is when he's got a big hairy Highlander smashing him in you know in Dingwall in a February. We'll wait and see what he does there. But um, no, I, I, that's all I was going to say. Just that we, for me personally, a, a left centre half is now the priority. Mm-hmm. Eddie, you get any comment to make? It's just a bit um, concerning that we're having to say stuff like we need decent amount of money invested on a left-footed centre-back whilst discussing our £4 million left-footed centre-back. Yeah. It's just a real damning reflection of where we're at with him. And I thought Dave's um, comment on the kind of football... Uh, what was it? What did you call it, Dave? Football tourist? I thought the tourist. Uh... Yeah, I thought that was tremendous. Yeah, it's it's not worked out for him. It's been a pretty poor signing, and uh, he's he's just not built for Rangers. I think that's the best way to put it. He's he's just not a Rangers centre half. Um, certainly he's not a, a a league title winning centre half unless he has the most dramatic turn of events. Um, probably in our history, I, do, I just can't see it. And uh, yep, has to go. We'll get decent money for him. Barisic has to go. We'll get something for him. Um, Lundstrom. As I say, I think he's going to cling on. Um, but Michael Beale, it's his decision, and you back him. But this guy's going to annoy me this year. So I hope, I hope for my own sake that we don't see him as much because really we shouldn't. That he shouldn't be anywhere near our best eleven now. When you when you consider Raskin, Jack, um, Dewell, Shifentes coming in, um, Cantwell can play there as well if needed. And Tom Lawrence coming back. John Lundstrom should not be anywhere near our starting eleven. He should be a, a squad filler player. But when you're paying top dollar for a squad filler, you, you've got a decision to make because Lundstrom is one of the top earners. So, well, that's the thing. There's probably the thick end of 60, 50, 60 grand a week going into Lundstrom and Davies, who just are the the components we need in these areas, yeah. playing forward at pace, getting it up to the quality in the forward areas slow down, go backwards and lose every physical battle. Just They're two, to me, very obvious weak links. See, the thing is with Lundstrom, right? I know that I'm kind of opening up a debate with Lundstrom, but it's very obvious why Europe has shown his best performances. And in many respects, his performance in the semi-final against Celtic was one of his best ones as well. When you're playing against a team who attack and you're expected to sit in to kind of soak that up, I think that's where he flourishes. Now, with Rangers for 90% of the games a season, we're we're not going to be that team. We're going to be the team attacking. And he just can't do it. He just cannot do it at all. And his role 
in an attacking team with Rangers, for example, is to pick the ball from defence and then move it forward into the attacking area so that we can go on the attack. And he struggles to do that. Whereas if you're playing against a Leipzig where we're sitting in, soaking up the pressure, keeping our shape, he'll do that all day. Dave, am I, I think I'm giving him far too much praise here when I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but is he a modern day Brahim Hemdani? Eh, that's an interesting comparison. I don't, on a technical level, I don't think he's as good as Hemdani, but I see what you're getting at. The kind of second or third man in a press who can just shuffle it five or six yards to the side and keep the pace, keep the thing ticking over. Possibly, aye. Possibly it's a, it's uh, a it's, good comparison. Not, the, the year we got to Manchester, we had 66 games or something, like 67 games or something, and um, Hemdani played 11 games in the league, but he played 20 games in Europe. <laughs> so <laughs> it's... That that's where I see Lundstrom in the games where you're not expected to have the ball anywhere near as much as the league. Um, but even at that, seeing John Lundstrom in the Champions League would just depress me, to be honest. It really would. But here we are. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that one. Um, next two games: Olympiacos and Hoffenheim. Eddie, uh, do you fully expect to see close to where we are going to be against Kilmarnock in terms of starting lineup and shape and personnel? Yeah, I think you're probably looking at maybe 45 minutes of a kind of first team, if you will, um, against Olympiacos. And then Hoffenheim, you'd probably look kind of around the 60-minute mark just to get them all playing together, kind of see how they gel, get used to the new, like for many of them, new formation, new style of play, and just kind of get a real good look to see what we're going to expect against Kilmarnock. Yeah, just on that, Kenny, I... Well, alarm bells start, and I know this is a very negative um, kind of slant on things, but we're Rangers fans after all. Will alarm bells start to ring for you if you kind of, after these two games, you don't see what, what Bill's trying to do? Because I have to say, I fully expect after Hoffenheim, I want to be in a position where I go, right, I see this and I'm excited for this. I really don't want to be in a position where I'm like, we just look disjointed to fuck and I don't see what we're trying to do here, because then I will be worried. No, I, I won't be worried, to be honest with you. I, look, looking at the game on Saturday, and we, we'll never play that same team ever again. It'll be not, you, you'll never see a Rangers team like that, you know, again. But um, no, because I do think with the, the sheer volume of numbers coming in, Chris, the, uh, guys take time to settle, guys take time to bed in, guys take time to get to know each other. Um, if you can do that... Um, while you're winning, uh, the, all all the better because that that's the that's the only thing that matters is being ready for the commander game. For me, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and getting down there and getting the three points and getting back up the road, uh, that that's all that matters. Um, pre- pre-season games are utterly irrelevant. I do agree with Eddie. I think you'll see uh, on Wednesday night. I think you'll probably see at some point. I don't know if it's first or second half, but probably the first half you play the majority of what he, he, he probably thinks will be his best 11 or his starting 11 um, at Kilmarnock next week, next weekend. But no, I, I'm, I wouldn't be particularly concerned if the performances aren't right in pre-season at all. Some of the worst pre-seasons we ever had, we end up winning, winning the league, winning cups, winning double trebles. And so uh, I'm not concerned at all with pre-season results or performances to be honest it's all geared to your first game of the season Chris yeah no that's fair uh, just a comment that, that, that uh, 
Kenny made there, Dave. Um, it's just reminded me of something. Um, not that I'm trying to wind you up, but obviously I totally agree with him when he, when he says that uh, we'll probably never see that starting 11 for Rangers ever again. And one of the main reasons for that is Rabbi Matondo was in the starting 11. I completely forgot about this. I wondered uh, when we were going to get to him. I thought you I, were going to get Eddie that one. That's why I remarked on it earlier. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, Poor Eddie's had enough with Rangers Welsh players. Um, we'll give him a break here. Uh, Listen, they've still got Tom Lawrence. I will. I, I will. You do. He's your last. We'll do an Andy Dibble special at some point. We'll try and get Andy Dibble on the pod. In fact, I'm going to tweet Andy Dibble right now. <laughs> I've actually got Andy Dibble's number. Right, get him text. Uh, well, <laughs> um, what, what do we do with Matondo? My solution is, I tweeted this uh, the other day, it's... It's that bad now. And by the way, this isn't anything personal against Matondo. He looks like a nice young boy, and I'm sure he is. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's getting paid a lot of money, and we paid a lot of money um, to get him here. It's that bad. It's that dire now that if a club wants him, we just say, right, look, take over his contract, don't give us a fee. Be as easy to deal with as you possibly can, because we cannot risk, you know, upsetting potential buyers. And then it comes to the point where they just go, right, I don't want them. I, I genuinely, that, that's where I'm at with Abbey Matondo. I can't see any team in any context, in any league, going, right, we'll, we'll pay a couple of million for this boy, we'll see something in them. If a team wants him, we'll just go, right, look, take his contract and take him, bye. Um, and, and that's it. That, that's where I'm at with it. If we get anything from Matondo, I'm, I'm stunned, to be honest. Um, but I'm pretty much now certainly at the conclusion that we ain't getting anywhere near what we paid from back and and that's fair because it's it's up there Dave it's up there we're one of the worst signings we've ever made and again this isn't here about having a dig at Rabbi Matondo and, and whatever um it's not his fault he's at Rangers is it we all know whose fault that is but it's it's a horrific deal um very poor player he's never going to make it um, and my my biggest worry here is we're going to be stopping this boy. Um, you're talking twenty odd grand a week, Dave. I mean, come on. It's it's wild. It's one of the most ill-advised transfers I could think. Of. I mean, anybody who's watched Rangers for any length of time knows that out and out pace as the main attribute for a player doesn't really work for us because teams sit in and dig in, and there's nowhere for them to go. I, I could probably count five to. I think I'd be struggling to get to 10 goals where pace was the deciding factor for us. Do you know what I mean? Like if somebody getting played in at the halfway line and bursting away or beating somebody doing the wing for out and out pace, it's not really that much an asset to us. It's handy to have in ball carriers like Kent and so on can be useful, but somebody who can only run in a straight line isn't much use to Rangers. And it's a situation that we've run a fairly a few times and it's a trap in modern football, but we seem to fall it time and again where you get these guys who come through the English Academy system which is quote unquote good on the CV so we've had Ojo, Barker, Nemani kicked about for a bit, uh, Matondo. they get the second move that maybe doesn't work out and then they end up at us and we're part of that their, their journey downwards so Matondo's gone from Man City's Academy, probably looked okay at that level or ticking boxes for scouts, pace, threat, Schalke have taken a punt as teams will do, that's part of Man City's business model, Chelsea's business model. They've then farmed them out to somebody in Belgium. Ross Wilson's just heard the word Belgium and jumped in <laughs> with two feet. And he's he's fell, he's now on his, his downward trajectory and he's at us. 
And as you say, he seems like a nice kid on that, but he's probably going to end up playing at, at League Two level, such as his ability, or or doing the kind of Nathan Aduba World Tour of playing like Serbia and China and all these places, because he just doesn't seem to have the components to become a, a top level football player. The touch, the awareness, the the ability. We spoke about Sakala earlier, and kind of contrast the two in opposite wings. Sakala at least looks like he's a team leader and looks for the ball and tries to bring others into play. Matondo just doesn't look as if he knows what he's doing. It, it's, it looks like it's the first time he's encountered this sphere and he's baffled by it. He just doesn't have a clue and he'd be so heavily invested financially in that. It's such a mistake. I don't even think we could game away. I think you'd have to pay part of his contract for the remainder of his deal. Do you know something? That is genuinely one of my concerns. Though. I genuinely am concerned that we're going to be left with some sort of... Um, Legacy uh, here because Dave, I, I'm I'm genuinely being funny. Right? I'm I'm 33. We are fucked up. Kenny is no 33, and uh, he, he's 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 seen better days. You've seen better days. <laughs> you've seen better days. Um, but I can guarantee all four of us will be better in a Rangers shot than Robin Matondo. Do you know why? Because we can actually trap a ball. And that, I know this is really, really harsh and it's not something that gives me any pleasure, but listen, Michael Beale has probably, probably delivered one of the most ruthless summers that we've ever experienced. He's said bye to two fan favourites. He's going to, he said bye to a guy who done no wrong in a Rangers shirt and Antonio Cholak. Many more are going to leave. So if the manager's comfortable being ruthless, and I know he'll probably be a lot nicer than we are, but we're fans and we've got emotion uh, riding on this. Um, that that that's what it comes down to. You you just have to say it as you see it, and I know it's you 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 really are kicking a a, a young boy there. Um, but it, it, I will attribute that to the fact that it isn't his fault. I get that it's not his fault. He's at Rangers, but as Rangers fans, we, we look at players like Matondo and we go, "This is why we've been largely on the whole over the last five six years unsuccessful in a trophy count." Players like this who are coming in and were taking chances on, trying to rehabilitate their career and trying to kind of almost be a wee bit clever about it. Um, a success story for a player on the downward trajectory is one in 20, maybe. And we get the other 19. And that that's <laughs> that's just the, the way it is. Eddie, do you want to kind of come in here and stick up for your fellow Welshman? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I, I, I wanted him to succeed um I, and i did think he would actually but you know as soon as um pre-season was over last year it was kind of obvious that he wasn't going to he just dave's kind of nailed it he almost looks like he's never seen a football before i mean there was that one against hamburg on uh saturday there where sakal was it sakala or sima that crossed it in sima uh, crossed it in to leave um matondo with basically a tap in and he let it bounce off his shin and then miscontrolled it. It was horrendous. I just I can't see a future for him at the, the club. Um, and you're right. The worry is we're going to end up having to pay some sort of fee just to get rid of him. Um, whether that's we sell him on, but agree to pay a proportion of his wages for a couple of years till his contract would have been up with us, or whether we end up having to just pay him a leave. I think it, it, it'll be sent out and loaned to anybody that will take him and will pay whatever amount of wages I, we will get him out of the squad though I'm, I'm pretty certain of that one way or another we'll need to because with all respect to the kid you can't have a boy that's so far out his depth 
um, quite clearly out his depth, you know, with the, the, the other players around him. That, that drags your whole squad down, you, you know, so you can't have that. We need to get shot of him this summer one way or another, whether, there is, as I say, if it's on loan, ripping up a contract is going to be very, very expensive, so that I, I can't see that happening. It will be, uh, as you say, perhaps, look, away you go, we'll pay half his wages for a year or so and you can take him for nothing uh, kind of thing. But it's as, as Dave says and Eddie says, and you have said yourself there, it is a concern that... Uh, what, what concerns me most about Rabi Matondo is that if you look back to the West Ham game uh, last year in pre-season, he, he actually looked all right and he's just regressed week on week on week. Uh, he's not getting... Mate, I think you've undersold that. I thought he looked absolutely superb against West Ham, which is yeah, what's the most disappointing thing. Yeah. He was absolutely superb against them. But he's regressing at a rapid rate. and it, it, It's a shame for the kid, but he's... It'd be best for him and and everybody around that he, he moved on. To be honest, but whether that will happen, I have no idea because it's going to be difficult. As Dave said, he's going to find it really hard. Well, the the, the way I see it is, Michael Beale obviously doesn't fancy him, but he has to play him. Obviously, to put him in the window. Well, now about a we're a week away from August and he's still here. There's a reason he's still here, um, because no team are, are want to take a punt. We need to hope one or two things teams start to get desperate and they want to take a chance on the on the lad or Saudi Arabia just go completely mental um, and you know that would be a godsend but look I, I, as I say I haven't spent a wee bit too much time on it because um, it kind of sounds as if it's a character assassination now where that's obviously not the the intention here the intention here is just to kind of lay bare just how bad a transfer this is just how much Matondo cannot play for Rangers um, and that is obviously going to affect a very emotional fan base. Um, if someone wants to come on and defend Rabbi Matondo, by all means, drop me a line and I'll, and I'll, and I'll hear you out. I, I would love to hear any uh, positive spin on this, but unfortunately, I just don't think there is. Um, but as I say, I, I think I think we are getting into territory now of being a wee bit unkind, so I, I, we will move on. No, through no fault of our own, by the way, it's just the fact that you could probably talk all night just how poor a player he is. Um, We'll move on to kind of more positive stuff here. Um, we'll start the positive stuff off with a negative, uh, Kenny. A um, couple of nights ago, there was an exclusive for the Daily Record saying that the Danilo deal is about to uh, collapse. Uh, that exclusive was from Keith Jackson. Um, today, there was a tweet, uh, an exclusive again from Daily Record, saying that Rangers are about to sign Danilo. And that exclusive was by, let me just check here, just check my notes. It was by Keith Jackson. Um, before we went to Danilo, the, the mainstream media are just taking the cunt now, really. They're, 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 getting, they're getting paid money to literally regurgitate bullshit that you see on Twitter. Um, th- this, is, this is why you get the fl- Fraser Fletchers in this world that want to make a career of being a clickbait gobshite because... Keith Jackson, I'm telling you, Keith Jackson, he's on a six-figure salary, no doubt about it, and his job literally must be to check Twitter every day and see that somebody said something, and he'll go, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll run a report on that, because I, 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 Kenny, just come in. <laughs> uh, Mr Jackson stays up my way and drives about in a lovely car, uh, he's, he's quite well to do, um, so he's been paid handsomely for it, um, but when it comes to Rangers, he knows nothing 
Right, let's not kid ourselves. He's got no access. He's got no uh, intel coming from inside Ibrox at all. He's he's just getting third, fourth, fifth hand bullshit, you know, sent to him, and he's he's running with it. Uh, and anybody that says any different is 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 living in a fantasy land because he genuinely knows nothing about what's going on inside Ibrox, and and I do know that to be the case. Um, but. Look, the mainstream media, I, I, I don't even know where to start with it. I, I, I stopped buying newspapers many years ago. Uh, I don't click on their sites uh, unless it's specifically sent in a, a group chat or whatever. Uh, but I won't click on it on online, like on Twitter or, you know, Instagram or anything. I just don't do it. Um, I, I kind of despise the, 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 the Scottish sports media in general I, I, I sometimes put uh, the, the Radio Cloud Super Scoreboard phone in uh, on if I'm in the car and I usually manage to last about 20 minutes and end up just going oh fuck off because it's that bad it is a Celtic fanzine and most of the newspapers are and we should expect nothing less Chris we, we, we've been we've been through all this for many, many years, and Keith Jackson is nothing more, nothing less than uh, Peter Lawwell's lackey. He does his bidding for him and via, through the media. That's what he does. Um, so him, you know, putting out a clickbait, you know, article or a, a tweet about Danilo's uh, deal falling through is probably came for them. Just wind them up. So I, I, I just don't even know what to say about it. He's just a he's. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue. I just don't know what to say about it. Um, and I'll say no more, Chris, because best ignored. That's what I'll say to you. Dave, I'll give you a bit of an insight into kind of my early life. Um, as a teenager, I wanted to be a sports journalist. Um, I've done, I, I think I've showed you, Dave, some of the kind of uh, early pieces I've done with St Mirren. Gus McPherson, uh, he took me under his wing. And then Gus McPherson, um, he actually connected me up with, with Jim Trainer at Daily Record and I'd done a kind of six week internship there um, as a 17 year old and uh, Jim Trainer for all his faults he was he was so so good to me um, he took me to press conferences he, he, he taught me so much he showed me that there was this system that they had um, it was pretty much a, a Twitter for the times in 2007 um, it was like a live feed with all kind of transfers coming through um, and that's how they got their scoops, especially outside of Scotland. Um, it then showed me how th- th- they got stories from the big clubs like Rangers and Celtic and stuff like that. It was all about relationship building. Um, staying on Keith Jackson for a minute, Keith Jackson walked by me one day and, and asked me who I, who I was, and I was explaining myself. And, and Jim Trainer uh, in front of me, by the way, I'm just a spotty 17-year-old kid trying to kind of get myself in the door to uh, live my dream, if you will. He actually dressed him down in front of me, uh, saying, why are you wearing uh, a polo shirt with jeans? And, and Jim Trainer was old school. You had to wear a suit and tie, even if you're sitting in the office for the day. So that kind of gave me a bit of an insight of the kind of guy he was back then. Um, I suppose we're going to fast forward here, uh, you know, over a decade. Um, and the, the point I'm making here is, Sports journalism was never for me, and it wasn't for me because I felt it was going to be a dying industry. It just wasn't for me because I, I, I'm, I'm not a, 
what's the best way to say this? I'm not, I'm not a sleek at backstabbing bastard, you know. Um, and you have to be that to be a hack. Like, I, I, that's, I'm not even being derogatory there. You genuinely have to. That's what I was trained to be like. And uh, it just wasn't for me. I wasn't comfortable with that. So I moved on to a different career. But the, the overall point I'm making here is, Dave, for 16 years from that time that I spent in the Daily Record, I can't believe now an untrained journalist, if you will, and myself, a, a, a guy who's standing in his kitchen talking to three of my mates on a podcast, I can send one text and get more information for Keith Jackson. Uh, sorry, I can get more information than Keith Jackson can ever get by sending one text. And I can't believe we're at a point now where that, that's actually a thing. In Scottish society, the Daily Record used to be massive. It used to be massive. I remember they had the rivalry with the Scottish Sun. And now you can literally click on the Daily Record website and they're carrying stories that the Sun have broke. And I'm just thinking, they can't have long left. They surely can't have long left. Nah, you're right, it's an absolutely dying trade and I've long, long, long since stopped engaging with it since turn of the century almost. So that's getting off for a quarter of a century now where I've not bought a daily record, bought a son, given them any airtime whatsoever. They lag so massively behind other forms of media and have been unable, despite their ham-fisted attempts to catch up, that they're just, they're not worth anything anymore and as you've identified and as I've said in the pod before, they exist now, the, the Scottish mainstream sports media, probably the, the mainstream media as well, exist to drive agendas more than ever and we saw that in 2008, 2012 where one club in Scotland in particular is very good at shaping the narrative and using friendly journalists to plant stories and as you say, there probably was a plant, just wind them up, just, just set their teeth and edge a wee bit about this Danilo thing and there's a clear pattern there that they it's it's a pay-to-play game where if you pay enough or you you behave in the right way and you exert influence they will do your bidding and guys like Keith Jackson and so on are now running about they've did their journalism degree they've got 25 30 40 years whatever it is under their belt in the industry and fan media wipes the floor with them time and again now we other fan media is more closely connected to Rangers than us and gets more information than us but even we put out content that is streets ahead of what the likes of Keith Jackson can write in terms of insight and authority on the club and news from inside the club now comes from we all know the sources on Twitter you know who you can trust and these guys I would not believe them if they told me what day the week it was I just wouldn't trust Keith Jackson or any of them any mainstream media journalist to tell me anything that was going on inside Rangers because we know for a fact because it's club policy that they know absolutely fucking nothing mm-hmm. so whatever he sharted onto the internet about Danilo just quite literally in my head because I've blocked a lot of them anyway well whether that's a negative the way the positive is that Rangers are if reports from Holland are to be believed oh no the Dutch mainstream media are fine they like they guys aye uh, uh, <laughs> um <laughs> So if reports from Holland are to be believed, uh, the bid has now been accepted. Um, we're at the six million now. Um, look, we could we could always try and dissect these things and just say, of course, negotiation is an important part in, in football transfers. But we started off at like three million for Danilo, and then we kind of paid exactly what the final wanted. So why did we not get this deal done sooner? Because obviously we could have got him in quicker, integrated him into the squad. 
stuff that I expect Rangers to get better at um, now that Ross Wilson's gone. So I still expected uh, to even problems this summer when it came to some transfers. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to uh, give the the new Rangers transfer committee, if you will, because we still don't know who's actually involved here because obviously we don't have a sporting director yet. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm willing to gloss, gloss over that unless you have a comment. But the, the main story here is we're about to make a massive signing. A guy who helped uh, Feyenoord get the Eredivisie last year, 17 goals in the bargain, got a brilliant record over the piece uh, in his career. I think he's about one and two over his whole career. Um, Brazilian, brilliant age, uh, big money signing. There, there is literally nothing not to be excited about here. I know some Rangers fans very bizarrely have tried to kind of downplay us, but we have well within our rights to... Um, get our nickels uh, and a twist here because, well, no, and a twist because that's not the right saying. Sorry for being so vulgar, uh, Eddie, but we're well on our rights to get our nickels wet here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God, Chris, man. Ignoring everything that you've just said for the last minute and a half, um, yeah, this is an exciting sign and it's a real sign of intent. The money that we're laying out in this deal, we can, you know, we can go into the negotiations another day. Um, but just for the, the sake of this conversation, the six million layout on Danilo coupled with the money paid for Dessers um, and then kind of bringing in Sima as well. And then the attacking midfield options we spent on is a real sign of intent that we're determined to go out and get it right this year. And for me, Danilo's the, the act the crown in the jewel uh, the jewel in the crown sorry um for for us this uh transfer window and bringing him in is a huge uh huge bonus for me and i'm i'm really excited to see us kind of pull this one off and like you guys i'm trusting the dutch media over the daily record definitely so it's exciting exciting news hopefully we can get it um sealed before I think Kilmarnock's a wee bit ambitious, but certainly before the Champions League, which obviously brings us on nicely to talk about the today's draw. Um, Kenny, the draw uh, was made today. The, the games will be played on the 8th or the 9th of August and the 15th of August. And we have drawn Servette or Genk. Servette from Switzerland and Genk from Belgium. So one of the teams, obviously, they're playing each other. I've probably butchered the pronunciation of Servette, so if I'm wrong, Kenny, please come in and correct me. But listen, it's, it's probably one of the harder ties we could have got here. Let's be honest about it. I think the hardest tie we could have got was maybe Panathinaikos. Um, so I'm quite glad to see that Marseille have got Panathinaikos. Um, some of the other teams were absolute cannon fodder, almost shoe-ins for us. Whereas it's... it's a couple of decent oppositions here that we, we could potentially be playing. Um, so I don't think the draw has been overly kind to us, but it's more than doable. The only worry I have is getting the team um, integrated in time because we do have a lot of new players which could go against us. Um, but in the same breath, Kenny, this is a very poor attitude to have, um, but I have it regardless. Um, I could not give a fuck because uh, if we get Europa League this year, I'll be more than happy. We're, we're obviously guaranteed at least the Europa League. And um, it's a very important year for the coefficient. So in many ways, the Europa League is uh, the one you actually want if we've got our eyes on this FIFA World Club Championship. But um, I'm obviously not going to be disappointed if we end up in the Champions League. But not as much as riding on this game as what many fans are maybe making out to be because 
the Europa League could end up be a blessing in disguise anyway. But I, I get that. Again, I get that's a very negative slant. So, Kenny, you want to come in and tell me to shut the fuck up and be more positive? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what an attitude, man. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I just... I, I, I Listen, just... I, I'll say this, right? Servet and Genk, uh, they'll be two decent enough sides. But I'll tell you something for nothing. As a Rangers fan, to me, that is a highly winnable tie against either of them. Uh, I agree. Neither of them have a particularly great track record over the last four or five years in Europe at all, uh, whereas we do. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that's not to say it's a given that we're going to get through because I, I would expect Genk to get through and we know a team sitting in the top two in, in Belgium is going to be a good side. So, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, but to, to me, if you can't beat a team like Genk, or Servet, whoever it's going to be, you don't deserve to be in the Champions League anyway. But I'm much more of an optimist in terms of throwing last season aside and, and mm-hmm. looking at it and saying, with well, the investment uh, with a good manager, with some tremendous new signings, my aim for the season in a, in a European sense would be to get to the Champions League and try and finish third in that group in the group that you get. Oh, that's a dream scenario, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but we're the third seeds, so, you know, that's not to say that the four seeds are poor, there's some cracking at Newcastle all there, so, right. you know, we understand how difficult it is, but that's got to be your aim, uh, if you're a Rangers manager or if you're a Rangers supporter for me. But I do, in that sense, I do actually agree with you in terms of the Europa League. My, my aim would be to guarantee ourselves the playoff uh, place with this because you've got the parachute payment then you have the parachute of the Europa League if you don't make it also fantastic that Marseille got Panathinaikos because I'm not entirely convinced that Marseille will beat Panathinaikos and that'll be one of the teams that we could get out Um, I think the longer uh, pre-season lasts the more up to speed a team that Marseille will get whereas if they've got a, a Panathinaikos early we'll get a good indication of how decent they'll be on Wednesday night when Olympiacos are there. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm the same every uh, you know at the start of every season. I'm optimistic. I expect us to win the league. I expect us to compete in cup competitions. I want us to do well in Europe. But I, I'm just shocked at your attitude. To be honest with you, I can't believe how poor it is uh, <laughs> at times. It's a purely it's a purely selfish thing. Um, Guaranteed that FIFA World Cup Championship with a, a good run in Europa League, watching my team beat decent European teams and, and, and going to the football. I absolutely, absolutely get uh, that as well. But as I say, if we finish, if we were to get the Champions League and finish third, we'll pretty much get the the points, the coefficient points we need. That's the oh, I, I, I totally agree. That is the ideal scenario. It's just. Um, the Champions League has scarred me. Uh, <laughs> scarred us all last season. The, the complete contrast for going for Seville to what happened to us the following season is uh, it's, uh, aye, it's scarred me. So the Europa League used to be seen used to be seen as some sort of consolation prize, whereas I now see it as that's our level. Um, I'm pretty realistic about that. And uh, People keep saying, oh, but we'll build ourselves up to be a Champions League team. Rangers has never done that. No Scottish team have ever done that. Yeah, there's been one or two outlier runs, but on the whole, Rangers and, and, and Celtic are, are mainly there to make up the numbers. And when, when you've tasted, um, when you've tasted honey, Kenny, you want another taste of it. <laughs> I'm not saying that we're going to get to Europa League final next year, but um, I, I certainly 
pref- much prefer to see my team uh, in that competition. I get the prestige and all that as well. By the way, I do. Like, I, I know I'm probably coming across as completely dismissing the Champions League. I, I get all the benefits of it, but in a purely selfish point of view, um, especially when you have this uh, massive carrot hanging on our results in Europe this year. Uh, you're, you're talking about a, a thirty million pound windfall the following season, extra. Yeah. It's it's just not the worst thing in the world to happen if we get to Europa League, is all I'm trying to say. I've kind of went a long way around that, though. <laughs> no, but I would ex- I would agree with you in terms of the, the Europa League. I would expect, being pot, you know, we'll be top seats, we'll be in pot one, uh, and I would expect to get through a group with, Relative. I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say with ease, but aye, with a lot, you know, quite comfortably I would expect us to get through the group as long as we uh, gel quite quickly, you know. But yeah, I'd like to do both. I'd like to finish up the Champions League then go and win the Europa League, so... <laughs> um, Dave, what's your thoughts on the draw? It's eminently winnable. I think a lot of people panicked because they're a decent side, they've had a good recent domestic history. But as Jenny said, they're no great shakes in Europe and they're no spending £7 million on international or no international, but strikers for, for better leagues and they're no buying the likes of bringing in the likes of Kieran Dowell and Todd Cantwell. So we should have more than enough in the armory to to push past these guys in reasonable style. Caveat that by the fact that our Wales record against Belgian teams is decent and we've always come out on top in recent years. I, I don't really enjoy playing them because they're big physical sides, they're well organised and the Belgians especially, they just don't fucking gee up. We've scored loads of goals and conceded loads of goals but at no point have you ever thought, right, this tie's completely finished even though we've fucking seven fives and whatnot. So, yeah. for the neutrals I'm sure it'll be entertaining but It'll be a slog, but I'm very confident that we'll have enough to... In terms of where I want to end up, Heed says Champions League for the money. Hart says fucking send on the Rangers Thursdays, man. <laughs> Eddie, what do you say? Um, I think it's it's a difficult one of the ties that we could have had in this round. But to be honest, if we can't win that tie, we don't deserve to be in Champions League anyway. Um, personally, I'd prefer the Champions League just for... A couple of reasons and I understand the scar tissue from last year but I just always think Rangers should be in the Champions League for one um, I'd rather get the, the money from that and then perform because I think last year was a particularly bad well I mean we know it was definitely a bad performance but you know a particularly unlucky set of circumstances as well we got a difficult group we ended up with no kind of real fit centre-backs like we ended up playing a boy from the youth team and a defensive midfielder that didn't belong anywhere near the Ibrox pitch as kind of centre-backs. So, you know, last year for me was an aberration and this year I'd like to see us go in and compete with the top teams in Europe again and show that we, we do deserve to belong in there. But if the choices are going to the Champions League, fail miserably and uh, not get the coefficient points we need to get into the Club World Championship, I'll take the Europa. Yeah. In many ways, it's one win for Rangers fans here uh, for the first time in a long time because either outcome's positive, um, especially when you consider the that kind of uh, carrot of the, the World Club Championship. But uh, I'm not going to get on to these matches wanting Rangers to get beat, that's for sure. I'll be there, I'll be supporting, and I will be disappointed if we go out. But um, I'll also see the bigger picture for maybe the first time in a long time, um, which is good. Um so that about kind of rounds it up. Uh, we will be back um, next week. We might be back this week with a kind of uh, prediction show, but that that's not confirmed yet. But we certainly will be back next week um, to look at the Hoffenheim game, 
the Olympiacos game and obviously previewing the Kilmarnock game. So literally one more week, boys, and the real football's back. Are we excited? Don't know, jump in at once here. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, um, we'll, we'll see, I'll tell you after a couple of weeks. Is it just me or did this summer feel longer than it usually does when it comes to the football return? Because I just feel as if it's just been dragging on and dragging on. Maybe obviously uh, potential transfers coming in and waiting on these transfers coming in and players no departing as quick as you want. Maybe that's made it feel a wee bit longer, but it, it's just felt really such a long summer and I just can't wait for, I just can't wait to be raging at Rangers drawn one each at Comano in the 88th minute and no looking as it as if we're going to get that winning goal and then boom, pops up 85th minute. Danilo wins it. Aye, bring it on. Can so I'll just win 5-0 if it's all the same to you. I know, of course I would rather, but I'm realistic, Dave. <laughs> but I think the summer, this summer's been good. I think we needed a palate cleanser. It's been quite an intense five years or so since we came back up. And I think getting a wee bit of downtime. I think the squad will benefit from it as well. I think it was a massive hangover over his last year. And I think that just cleansing the palate for the fans... It's been quite a positive summer, as you say. It'll be good, I think. We needed to reinvigorate, I think, on and off the pitch, and we mm. seem to have done that. So, no. Final thoughts for you, Kenny? Oh, no, just on your uh, your long summer, I think, due to the fact there's been no World Cup or no Euros, and we started our business really early. It has been a long, long summer, isn't it? Mm, it is, aye. Um, Eddie? See, I must be mad here. I don't think it feels it's been a long summer at all. I thought it's been quite short. I think with the the number of signings we've made, there's always been something Rangers-related happening. So for me, it's felt like a much shorter summer and not as much time without Rangers. I mean, granted, the actual waiting for the football seemed to take ages, but there's been that much going on with Rangers that I haven't been bored. I thought Kieran Dowell was out of contract this summer. That's how long... Um, so as I said, we will be back uh, next week, um, guaranteed, but there might be an extra bonus show dropping at some point this week also, um, so that's kind of left for me to do, uh, before I thank my guests, is obviously remind everyone once again that uh, we are on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, do we still call it Twitter, is it X yet, I don't know. It's changed uh, to X tonight. Uh, Okay, uh, no comment. Uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, we're on all of that. Just search Saturday at 3 and you'll find us. The links will also be on the podcast description. Um, got a few exciting things coming up. Um, we're not at liberty to reveal yet, but over the next couple of weeks, um, hopefully we can let you know about that. Um, so any like follow or subscribe to anything on so on the socials is very much appreciated and it does go a long way and it certainly helps um when we talk to certain people and we can obviously bring some exciting stuff uh which you will see soon um so kenny thanks very much yeah cheers chris cheers lads enjoyed that um eddie thank you no problem thanks for having us on again and dave welcome back uh cheers mate good to uh, be back Still got a bit of work to do with you to get you back to the old depressive Dave. Um, because the happy, <laughs> happy Dave doesn't sit well with me, to be honest. It makes me nervous. Well, like I say, get a couple of weeks, see how the team perform. You'll be back. <laughs> um, and, and thank you to you, the listener. Um, we will be back next week, as I said, so join us then. Thank you.